0: So, to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, you get 30, 30, better get 20, 20, 20, you get 20, 20, you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. Sold! give it a try at slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, you've got an idea
2: for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out everything.
3: So this is just a little warning. Kate, Gary, and myself are going to be talking about our faith stories, our times growing up in the church, when we left the church, mm. and what our life is like now. We just really want people to know, and we understand mm. that there is many stories mm. out there, and we just know we don't want to hurt anybody or no. trigger anybody. Yep. So please just think about that before pressing yep. play.
2: And there's, we don't talk about a lot of terrible things that happen. No, in we haven't. In general. No. The Royal Commission, any of that? No, but it's we just, know we do all of it. And if that is just triggering for you to even think about, it's okay. That's Keep okay. It, and we'll be back to regular
3: pea work yes. in two weeks. Yep. We would like to acknowledge that this podcast maiden is being held on Aboriginal land, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And we would like to pay respect to their eldest past, present and immersion and their multiple birth parents with children with disabilities. And this week, you've got the whole lot of us, Kate, Mandy and Gary, and we're having a discussion about our faith and our faith journeys.
2: This podcast contains truth laughter and the occasional f-word so it's not really suitable for children sometimes you just have to get your shits out shit 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 that's right this is a
1: language warning oh shit
3: hi Kate hi Mandy hello Gary
1: Hello, ladies!
3: Yay! <laughs> got it's the whole the peas whole and beans gang. together. <laughs> I did say <laughs> right. it could be our first threesome, but yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's my first. I can tell you that. it's
3: definitely mine. Well, mine too. I must say, <laughs> we are so thrilled to have Gary with us today. Yeah, we are. We um, so our episode today is going to be talking about our faith and. Mm-hmm. Um, all the things that we've been through as three adults. I think it's going to
2: be deconstructing and reconstructing. Yeah, so yeah. It's going to be um, some heavy things and lots of light things because yeah. we've enjoyed, actually, while painful, I've enjoyed the journey.
3: Yeah, me of too. Finding
2: out who I am. Yeah. Without the presence of a church. So yeah, yeah. And this is probably going to be a two-parter, which is the first time. Yeah.
3: Peas have have a threesome made, left you and hanging. A <laughs>
1: We're assuming we've got something worth saying. (laughs) Yeah, but we we
3: always
2: do.
1: (laughs) We do. No, we certainly do. I think
2: we do. We do. do. And. For those of you who are new, hello, welcome. For those of you who are not, you've been hanging out for this for three years. Three and a half years. (laughs) So we're finally in the right headspace. We talked
3: about it in the very first episode of Two Peas that that was one of the things that Kate and I were, when we became friends, Mm. that we had in common. And Mm. there wasn't very many people that had premature twins Mm. that maybe were having some diagnosis and were leaving the church. All at once. Yeah, all at once. Yeah, in the same year. And then Gary and I met in a private Facebook group. And mm. I don't know when I found out that you had left the church as well.
1: I don't recall. And I, I don't think that was a topic that was often raised. I'm no. not sure, man. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. I think you just, I must have said something and then you just let it slip in. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: And then um, I was like, wow, you get this story too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, and I, I think... If- our three stories are really different, mm. so it'll be interesting for people to hear them. That's right. And, That's true. Yeah, yeah, see where they fit. And I was saying to Mandy, yes, this is about religion, but I think people have left, like, a really big job. You know, yeah. they've been corporate lawyers or something and then they decide to do something completely different and they lose all those friends Yeah. or people who move countries. Yep. I know even moving schools yep. felt really big to me, like yeah. I was leaving behind that group of friends because... That is what happens when you leave a faith. You that's do right. take some friends, but you lose yeah. a lot. So I think even if you haven't left a faith, if you've ever felt othered, then you'll probably understand a little bit yeah. of what we're saying mm. today.
1: And if you've, if you've had a part of your identity that's been so so central to who you are for so mm. long, and then to sort of find yourself suddenly not having or sharing that identity any, anymore, it's no wonder it causes grief. Mm-hmm. You know, for 30 years, my identity was as an adult, not only a person of faith, but a leader in the church mm. and uh, from 1977 to 2007. So, yeah, you're right. I, I think there's a lot goes on and uh, it is a, an incredibly important transition in life if that's what happens to you.
3: Mm. Yeah. Mm.
2: It is. And at the time it's hard to find people to talk to about it if you've been really enmeshed in church culture because I would say 90% of my friends were Mm. church-based so I couldn't talk to them about the fact that I didn't agree with what they were doing. So it can actually be really lonely as Mm. well.
3: Mm. So, yeah, but here we are. So we thought let's talk about this. What did I say in the email? I said let's say we're going to keep this full of light and hope and truth. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. So this is not, in the, we're not criticizing. Oh, no. We're not um, putting people down, any of that stuff. As Kate and I've always said, we've got people very close to us that we love that mm. are Christians mm. and that are in the church. And so, And I know yeah, we're means, really mindful of that. Really mindful.
2: And I thought maybe it might be nice to just do like a couple of minutes each of you don't have to say the religion if you don't want to, but were you born into it? Yeah. Did you choose it? Did your parents choose it? So do you want to go first, Gary?
1: Yeah. When I was about seven, my dear mum said, right, it's time we're going to go to church. Oh. <laughs> and um, we started Sunday school. And so I guess it's been a part of my life ever since then, not every week but quite, quite frequently up through youth group mm. um, up to the age of 17 when I had my literally my come-to-Jesus moment. Yes. Mm um and made a commitment at that point that this was not only something that I believed in and wanted to be part of but something that I wanted to commit my life to as a as a full-time endeavor and um, become a career and a, and a life path and that's when I decided to go into or to train for ministry and then I was in ministry from then from well I went to Sydney to Theological college, I was in Toowoomba, <laughs> ah. and this was Churches of Christ. And that was by accident, yeah. like m- most of us join churches either by accident or simply by family heritage. Mm-hmm. We don't make a choice, yeah, or often we don't. Mm-mm. So it was Churches of Christ. And I went through college, graduated in 81, and I was in full time ministry then up until, um, yeah, 2001. Wow. And remained involved and active up until about 2007.
3: So were you like in charge of a church?
1: Yes. I. Uh, when I graduated in 81, I was the pastor of a small country church in New South Wales for three years. Wow. And then a uh, suburban church in Brisbane for three wow. years. And then I went back to my hometown of Toowoomba and joined a ministry team, which is a whole different dynamic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was a, quite a large-ish church and I was there for 10 years.
3: Wow. It's,
2: I don't know, I know growing up in a church, it's all encompassing, but working? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, and I know that church ministers that I knew and loved, they'll get a call at three o'clock in the morning. They'll get, like you're you're on call 24 seven.
1: You are. And there is that to it. I I don't find, I didn't, I never found that to be the most stressful or taxing part of it. But there are also, I mean, in in other ways, it's a breeze because you you're kind of your own boss in a way. You you kind of you know very, depending on the church, I suppose, but generally you're very free. Yeah. You make your own. You make your own routine each day, and there's a lot of freedom granted mm-hmm. to you. And I I think both sides were true for me.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's
2: true as well. I suppose no one knows where you are at 10 a.m. on Thursday, yeah.
1: <laughs> unless yeah. You're- and if you're
3: working all day Sunday, you can have a yeah. day off during the week. Is that how it worked, or what?
1: I had Mondays off.
3: Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. To recover. And in those <laughs> days,
1: nobody <laughs> nobody had nobody carried phone yes, in their pocket, so it was a lot easier. Check out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it's like these days. It must be a little more difficult. You mm. must have to turn your device off these days.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I have very strong boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, really yeah. Okay. And um, what about you, Mandy? Well, I yes, I was born into the same denomination, Churches of Christ. Um, my ministers on both sides, mum and dad met on a Churches of Christ camp. Mm. I mean, yep, that was <laughs> the way it was. So we went to a small church out here in the outer east And that was my whole childhood. I loved it. Um, In my teenage years, I got a bit feral. I didn't want to go. Uh, There was no girls my age, so Mm -hmm. why would you want to go as a teenage girl? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But we went every Sunday morning. We went Sunday nights. I went to youth group. Dad was my youth group leader, which I didn't mind. But um, probably as a teenager, you don't want to go to youth group with your dad. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, uh, and now as an adult, I appreciate that what he did. Mm. I, I really, really do. And I have for yeah. a long time since becoming a parent, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I left that church um, sort of when I was about 17 because I wanted to be with people my age. Mm. And that was a really big loss for my family to move to a different church, but they were happy that I was going to one. Mm. And then I stayed there. Um, and it was sort of like Bible Belt, eastern suburbs, of Melbourne. Mm-mm. And I stayed there right up until... I had the twins and then I dabbled back for a couple of years. Mm. So that was sort of 2007, from, from 1976 to 2007-ish, yeah. yeah. Uh, but when I was in the big church in my early 20s, I was a worship leader. So mm. I was a youth group leader all in the early 20s, was at this church every Friday night, meetings, meetings, mm-hmm. meetings, mm-hmm. meetings, um, worship team, backing singer, sung on some CDs, like yeah, it loved it. Life. It was my whole life. Apart from working, that was my life. I
2: don't think people realise outside of a church, like I think it's like being in the cheer squad and the yeah, banner making yeah. for a footy team. Yeah, or yeah. Like it's
3: yeah, everything you everything. do yeah.
2: is about that church and yeah. the amount of volunteer hours that goes into yeah. churches is is You cannot comprehend it.
3: And I think probably that's why I went into so much detail in the book mm. because I wanted people to see what, what – How much of my life was in the church? So then to leave it, what that meant?
2: Because I. Think yes. people sometimes think, oh, you go for an hour on a Sunday.
3: No, mm. it was like, okay, we've got a worship meeting Monday night. We've got small group Tuesday night. Mm. We've got you know coming to help youth group Friday night. Mm. Then we've got to be at church early to have a rehearsal. Mm. So we're getting there at four o'clock. We're going to rehearse for two hours. Then we'll do the service. Yeah. Then we'll do the service for two hours. Then you know, I'd be then we'll go to the pancake party. Absolutely <laughs> exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Then we'll go to or we'd go to the keg. Yep. and we turn up at seven o'clock at night or seven thirty, and there'd be like forty people, and yeah. the people at the keg would be like. Oh, uh, he comes to Christians. The <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to buy much alcohol. I know, they'll buy no alcohol. They'll just try and scrimp and save on every bit of food because I've got no money. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. So, yeah. As
1: you said, when so much of your life yes. is, is engaged that way, there's a lot at stake.
3: There is there a is. lot of stake. You, if yeah. you lose
1: that, you're losing a lot. Yes, oh,
3: yeah. yes. Yeah. And also the I'm dreams so sure of your future. So I'm going to come here. I'm going to be here with my husband. I'm going to bring my children yeah. up here. Mm. We're going to have this exact same life. Mm. Um, they might go to a Christian school or, you know, all those sorts of things that you think might be um, and then they're not.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a like a divorce. Yeah. Really, it is. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I... My dad was Irish Catholic, my mum was just some nominal Protestant Um, and then mum really got obsessed with, um, I mean, they're mainstream religions but they're alternate, so the Jehovah's Witness, the Mormons and the Seventh-day Adventists. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure why she was drawn to those.
3: Might have been the people that she met or must have been.
2: Those religions, they... um, they go out and get people to come in. Yeah. So she could was at home yeah. with kids and someone was knocking on her door. Got it. And they were happy to – she wanted to study the Bible. She wanted to learn stuff and they are more than happy to spend hours doing that with you. Yep. And I think that she was drawn to the structure. She had mm. a really tricky childhood and right. I think that structure and the Seventh Adventist Church has a lot of structure. So like it's got a book called the, I'm going to get this wrong, but the 52 Fundamentals or something that the church is based on. So you can look it up. This is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. And I think for some people it makes you feel really safe. Mm. So I was about four or five when mum joined the church. We were living in Melbourne at the time. And I can remember watching Hey Hey at Saturday in the morning Mm. and dad making bacon and eggs. I can remember the smell of that. And then the next week we were all at church. And no TV and no more bacon. What? Like it was like, boom, mum's decided she's doing this. So dad didn't join the church till I was nine. So I can rem- clearly remember him getting baptised, the Seventh-day Adventist do baptism by yep, immersion yep, in the same. front of the church. Yep. So I can really remember that. I remember I got a pink velvet dress. So I was yes. pretty excited about that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but dad really loved mum. So he just started coming. But it was quite funny because he used to smoke and Seventh-day Adventists do not smoke. There is no nicotine, caffeine, alcohol. And he'd go out in between. We had Sabbath school and church because we go on a Saturday and he'd have a cigarette and then he'd come back in. And he was actually, they just assumed he was an Adventist and they got him to lead the children's, like... (laughs) Divisions and then they nearly lost their mind when they found out he was a Catholic who smoked. Anyway, it caused quite controversy. Oh, there's no due diligence back no, in the 80s. No, no due diligence. They couldn't look up his history on Facebook. So, yeah, he and when he joined the church, it was massive because his whole family believed that he was now going to hell. Yeah, right? because he left Catholicism. Yes,
3: yeah. so Why? they were
2: sad mm. in Ireland. And then when we went there, I remember dad be like you've really got to show them what it's like to be a Christian and wow. you've got to be. And so we'd hang out with them all week. And then Friday night we'd go off because there were no um, Protestant churches in the Republic of Ireland that you have to, you know, cross the border to the mm. north. Yep. And there was one Seventh-day Adventist church there. And so we had a camp van and we'd go and camp wow. so that we could go to church. We wouldn't see my cousins. and Wow. Yeah. And it was just... For them as well, really confronting because everyone's Catholic in Ireland. There's yes. no other religion or back yeah. then especially. So, And for us, growing up in the Seventh-day Adventist church, it is all-encompassing. Mm. You go to Seventh-day Adventist schools. You Most people worked for the church. Mm-hmm. So we moved, we moved between Melbourne and Sydney when I was a kid, but when we ended up in Melbourne when I was 10 and we lived out in the Yarra Valley, the Wheat Bix factory was there. So, sanitariums owned by the church. We had a big church publishing house. We had that published all the books. They've got lots of books at the church. We yeah. had a hospital and a nursing home and a massive church. So, I'm going to say a third of the town was mm. Seventh Day Adventists. Mm. Yep. So, it was like this mecca, really. Mm. And you know, half the shops didn't even open on Saturdays because mm. there just wasn't enough people going shopping. Mm. Yep. So it was, and it was the same. Like we did youth group on Friday night, like Vespers. Then all day Saturday, you'd pretty much be at church. We did Sabbath school from 9.30 to 11, church from 11 till probably 1, usually have a lunch at the church, Mm -hmm. maybe an afternoon meeting. And then in winter, when the sun set, we could have a youth group. But in summer, we couldn't because the sun didn't set till 9
0: o'clock. Of course.
2: (laughs) Killer. And so we'd have to like, yeah. yeah. And we'd have to go for a walk by the river but not hop in. Or, um, yeah, so lots of bushwalking. Lots. (laughs) Maybe that's why I hate it now. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. And all of my friends were in the church. I went to Seventh-day Adventist schools. A lot of my friends went to the Seventh-day Adventist University in Sydney and they became nurses or teachers. Mm -hmm. That's just sort of what they did, especially the girls. And I probably had maybe three friends that weren't in the church. And I made friends when I didn't put my children into Seventh-day Adventist schools. Right. That was when I made friends outside the church. And they're really interesting to talk to because they're like, you are nothing like the woman that you were when we met you. Wow. You are just so different. Mm. So, But um, I would say the thing growing up in the Seventh-day Adventist church is you believe 100% that you have absolute truth and no other religion has it. And so I felt sorry for everyone. I was so sad that my friends mm. weren't going to go to heaven, like mm. constantly sad. And I don't know what you do with that growing up. Like I love this kid in my class, but he's not going to go to heaven. Mm. And I, so I would say to them, <laughs> well, now I think, how did I do this? You know, I'm really worried about you. And they'd be like, I'm okay. I don't think this is true. Mm. And I'd be like, oh, they're hardening their heart to the <laughs> Lord. <laughs> but it was so but important. I, well, that's right.
3: You
2: know, it's yeah. their whole eternity. That's all my parents cared about, everybody going to heaven.
3: Yeah, I didn't grow up with that Mm. fear. Yeah, I did. Mm, it was no. really
2: real. And I don't know if anyone's seen The Book of Mormon. Mandy and I have because it's the best stage Yes, I show. loved it. Loved
3: it. Oh, my gosh. From the minute the light turned on. Oh, hilarious. We laughed so from offensive. the minute the curtain oh. raised. We were just like, these I are had, our people. I had
2: sore stomach <laughs> for two or three days like I'd been working out. The first time I saw it, I've seen it five times now. That's so funny. But they have this spooky Mormon hell dream where the, um, or the, the main character is in hell and he's like a coffee cup goes past him, a Starbucks cup. And I'm like, that is growing up a Seventh-day Adventist. I had hell dreams all the oh, time. yeah, scary. I was going to burn in the lake of fire. Yep. I wasn't going to be good enough. I was probably going to have to be a martyr because uh, the Seventh-day Adventist church believes, and I'm not putting them down. This is 100% what they believe and my mum believes this and I believe that they believe it. Yep. That at the end of time, which is coming very soon, there will be a national Sunday law and everyone will be forced to worship on Sunday. And if you don't worship on Sunday, you'll be put to death. So I grew up knowing that I would be a martyr one day. Wow. So, yeah, I think a lot of kids growing up with that have hell dreams. Yes. have scary dreams. Of course they do. So, but, you know, as mum would say, this life is a blink of an eye. You're going to get eternity. Okay. When you're 15, you've got a crush on a boy. It doesn't seem like a blink of an eye.
3: No. You know?
2: But, yeah, that's my story. And I left in 2005 when I was about 25 weeks pregnant with the twins and I never went back. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, what, 17 years clean?
1: <laughs> so, I mean, Mandy very uh, candidly said she was feral as a teenager or went feral for a <laughs> yeah. while. Now, with that kind of restriction on you mm. at every point, internally mm-hmm. and externally, did you rebel oh, as a teenager?
2: I did, but. Mum and dad didn't know. So,
1: and to keep it secret,
2: big secret. So, I smoked and i we had a big property and I'd go up the back and smoke and then have a shower. And I don't even know why I was smoking because I it wasn't even to be cool because I didn't do it in front of people. Yeah, right. It was the ultimate I started working out that I could do things. Mum and dad didn't know, and I wasn't struck by lightning when I did it. Yeah. And so, and I definitely hooked up with boys and did things like that. I would tell them I was going to Vespers and I would go to nightclubs in the city. Mm. Dangerous behaviour now. Mm. Um, but they still don't know. Mm. Hi, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> she
3: doesn't listen. <laughs> what about you, Gary? Mm.
1: That's, yeah, I mean, I'm just, the more rules you have, the more secrets you have to yes. have. Mm. You, can't, you can't have one without the other. And, um, yeah, well, I, I mean, I, as I say, I came in as a 17-year-old and, uh my, so it's not only your identity that's at stake, it's, as you say, all of mm. your support network, all of your friends, all of the things that give you meaning in life, mm. all of the uh, comfort you can receive from life is, is tied up with this community or with this tradition or with this belief. And, you know, beliefs are very powerful things, especially when you're a teenager, mm. because you're still trying to shape what they are. You're still trying to find out who you are and what you're going to be and what you're going to do. And um, I I think for some there is a comfort in that, there is a security Mm. in that, and we all seek and need security. But honestly, um, it's no wonder we end up in in our adult lives (laughs) reflecting on um, things we regret or Mm. things we felt we had to do because Mm. we didn't want to do them or things we chose. Like you mentioned the nightclubs. I mean, um, yeah, these things... um, you say they're not a criticism in in a sense we we have to accept the fact that mm. if um, if we're being restricted in some way mm. that's going to affect us as humans because yep. we're not built that way yeah. anyway and we I don't get know. to
2: experience i do i did grieve probably when i was about 45 i really grieved for my youth yeah and i thought oh i didn't get a youth mm. i was working at the church you didn't. volunteering all the time and I, you know, we weren't allowed to go to the movies, so I missed all the social constructs that were happening yes, at the time. you did. I used to sit on the bus on the way to school, listen to the people behind me talk about what happened on Neighbours, because my parents were the strictest, so we didn't even have a TV. And then I would retell that at school so that no one knew that I didn't oh, have a TV. Yeah. So, I mean, you learn how to yes, get around it. of course. So you don't feel like an idiot. Yeah. But, um,
3: yeah, you just... You miss huge chunks. I remember um, because my parents, we were okay with TV Mm. and I could read things and Mm. go to movies and stuff like that. But I remember one of my cousins coming over and sleeping over and going, you're allowed to watch video hits? And I was like, yeah, crank it up. (laughs) 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 I remember thinking, oh, okay.
2: Oh, yeah. I was just so grateful that the bus driver played the radio.
3: Yeah, so he could keep up with the songs. Keep up with the songs. Yeah.
2: And I've always loved music. Loved it, loved it, loved it. But I wasn't allowed to go to any concerts. So yeah. my best friend Rachel was brought up in a similar way and I reckon every concert we go to, and her and I probably go to a concert every three or four months, we hug and cry. We can't believe that as 50-year-old women we're allowed to be there. Wow. And I, we always say to really? each other, if we could tell oh ourselves, no. we were going we to get there. to do it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I, don't, I know it is. that is a criticism. You're right, Gary. I do think that... Parents truly believe they're doing the right thing. I respect my parents so much. Yes, of course. Of course they do. No but one's they wanting don't to harm any
3: choice. No.
2: Because it's not
1: just missing out on things that are fun. When you say missing out on your childhood, there is that part of it. But what you're missing out on is the, the essential uh, process of rebelling, figuring mm. out where the boundaries are, figuring mm. out who you are, becoming more independent. And mm. parents, as any, any parents with Teenage children mm. know that it's a process of gradually letting the child become an adult yes. by testing things out, trying things but out, yes. doing the wrong thing sometimes, yeah. and trying to nurture. You know, put put scaffolding around oh. or guardrails so that they oh. don't kill themselves, yes. but allowing them. And if you're not allowed to experiment and and explore and even ask questions, nope, you know that that will. that will stay with you for life. Well, it's
3: sort of an interruption in development, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And And I
2: was saying to my psychologist, I can't handle when I hurt people, even if I don't mean to hurt them. I can't. I feel like physically sick. My heart races. Even if like, I don't know, you and I were talking, Gary, and then you messaged me later and said, that hurt my feelings that you said that. I would I would feel really I didn't know how to do anything about it. And she's like, yeah. because you believed you had a God that was looking down and so you have massive anxiety, about, not massive anxiety, that's exaggerating, but you have an unusual um, relationship in wanting to please everybody all the time because if I didn't please him. You'd be going to hell. I was going to hell and my parents, I didn't even care about going to hell, I cared about disappointing my parents. Yeah,
3: of course. Just didn't, And that's I still, still with don't you want now.
2: To. Yeah. So, you know, I'm 50 and mm. I've been having counselling about the religion since I was 26. Mm. <laughs> so,
3: yeah, it's a full-on thing. It's enormous. Mm. 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 Mm.
2: So anyway.
3: <laughs> Have we got a story from our childhood that it brings a warm feeling mm. about being in the church? You want to go? No, I will go. Yep. And I read about it in the book too and it's yep. one of the funniest things about the editing of yep. the book is that we were in the musical Salty, the Singing Songbook.
2: Oh, I loved Salty the Singing <laughs> Songbook.
3: And oh. yeah, but when I wrote the book, I wrote it P <P-S-1> yes. S A L T Y, but it came back from the editor and she cut the P off. Yes. And it was just Salty s a l t y. like it. It's- and I had to write back and say, "No, no, no. It's Salty as in the Psalms." <laughs> <laughs> and I just chuckled, but being a part of a musical, mm. um practices, learn the songs, charity in the church mouse choir. Like it was just <laughs> fun. Dad was making the costumes, you know, yeah, he's yeah. a carpenter. That was all, that was all his stuff. Yeah. We were doing all that together. We are in the crappy old hall and that was just a fun time. They're really. Yeah. Learning all the church songs. works hard to keep
2: families together. Yeah. 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 Especially when the kids are little.
3: Yeah. But yeah. I do all, yeah, anyway, that's my warm. Yep. Yeah. You got a warm feeling?
2: Uh, Yeah, so when I – my warm feeling really is that when we moved to Melbourne, I was really sad. I did not want to leave Sydney. The church in Sydney had heaps of girls and <sighs> friends and I went to school with them. We moved to Melbourne. I didn't know anyone. You know, new school, new church, so it's pretty big because it's your whole world. But my best friend Rachel, her dad, her mother had died when she was five and her dad started dating a Seventh-day Adventist woman. So she brought Rachel to church. Right. So Rachel was completely unchurched right? and 11 and we met. And so she, like I would tell her all that. this is why we do this and this is why we do that. And she knew that I loved jewellery and I wasn't allowed to have any. So she got, it was a really cheap little ring oh. and she used to let me wear it oh. and then I'd give it back to her. Oh. And then one day she made me a box out of paper, like an origami, and she put the ring in it. Oh. She said, just keep it and don't tell anyone. Oh. <laughs> and I just... Now I look back and think, you were going to be my best friend for the rest of my life. And we're going to go through so much shit together. But it just makes me so glad that those two little girls having that secret got out. Yes. But went through, we had a lovely time at church. Rachel and I got baptized together. Yes. Right. You know, so we did a lot of church stuff together. Yes. So yeah, Yeah. that was, I would keep her in a million years. So it was all worth it. Yes. Mm.
3: Gary, Mm. got a warm memory.
1: Well I was thinking of a funny story but then a uh, warm memory yes they they go together I my best friend in the world who who is I think still my best friend uh, that I've known since I was 5 and I have had a similar um connection to the church all this time although he's still in it
3: mm. Yeah right yes that. lots of yeah. my friends yep mm.
1: exactly and so you know, he's never left it. I don't, we don't talk about it. He Mm. doesn't care whether I'm part of the church or not because we're friends, but that was a significant divergence for us. Totally. We we knocked around, we knocked around together a lot as teenagers and later on as Mm. adults, because church was so serious, you know, it was always so, everything was so serious. Yeah. And so you can't be serious all the time. And we would always find something amusing going on, or we would have a go at something. We were, we weren't, terribly rebellious but I do remember once we um we were teenagers in this church which was in the inner city of Toowoomba and it was a gothic or neo-gothic kind of building you know um, tall tall spires and stained glass windows and you know wooden hard wooden pews and all that stuff anyway the pigeons used to um nest up in the top of the bell tower you know know. (laughs) And so, however it happened, I don't remember. But I grabbed a uh, an air rifle, and he and I decided. <laughs> he and I decided we would do a service to the church because these birds were crapping all over the front steps oh, all the time. Fair enough,
3: shoot yeah. them. Yep. So we climbed
1: up the belfry with this rifle. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, to shoot pigeons. Yes. We thought, okay, this this will be a service we're providing. And what's that we... spiritual
3: gift? Murder. <laughs>
2: spiritual gift of having fun.
1: <laughs> I mean, looking back, anyway, so we got to the top of the bell tower and because we'd made so much noise getting up there, there wasn't a pigeon within a thousand <laughs> kilometres, you know, and we just sat there and chatted and then came back down. But when it was discovered that we'd been climbing the bell tower with a rifle <laughs> to, <laughs> to shoot pigeons, um, we had a stern talking to from,
0: <laughs> from <I bet. laughs>
1: uh, his father, who was one of the elders, of course. And, and the elders to say, listen, and the thing they were most, this, this struck with me as really strange, the thing that they emphasised was that um, bird. this is a bird sanctuary. You don't harm birds. <gasps> oh, no. Oh. no word about rifles or climbing the belfry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the
3: fact that you
2: could have anyway, accidentally that was shot each other. I have
1: very, very warm memories of lots of laughs with him yes, over the years at Ross. Yes. And um, he and I were on the same ministry team for 10 years and that's what kept me going because yeah, we would yeah. always find a way To find something funny happening. Well,
3: I think there's nothing like Christian sense of humour. And you find comedians that you go, I I can tell you've got a church background. Like, (laughs) because you can't joke about sex or drugs or anything like that. So you've got to find the quirky humour.
2: And the amount of times you've, well, I... Would something funny would happen in church? Oh, I knew. And you think I'm going to die of laughter here?
3: Stop. Oh, I like, Stop my entire life. You can't stop. I know. Once, the whole
1: pew shaking. Oh, whole yeah, <laughs> <all laughs> once I had my feet
3: up on the wooden pew, and we were laughing so hard that I pushed a wooden. <laughs> no one was sitting in front of us. I pushed the <laughs> pew over, and it just went slam. <laughs> and then we're right up the back as teenagers do. There's a whole church around. just turns around. This man be like. <laughs> 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 but my story that's similar to the guns is yeah. that when I was a teenager I hated going right yeah. I hated going my mum and dad would pick me up from sleepovers yes and that's it was right. awful because all my friends were sleeping in and I'd have to get up and quietly get Put dressed dress and then go yeah. out and go to church as if I'd want to be there yeah. anyway one day I stood out the front with my friend Ryan and I said I wish this place had burned down and then I wouldn't have to come here and then the next Thursday it burnt down <laughs> Terrible Maddie. <laughs> you don't believe me, but this is a true story and I can get verification. So yeah, I, well, I can you imagine you. how guilty I felt? Oh yes. So mum and dad yeah. are up at like 5 a.m. Everyone's the church is burned down, the church is burned down, and I'm like, oh, <gasps> <laughs> I, I wished for this to happen last Sunday. So anyway, yeah. I go to school and I'm just beside myself. Yeah. And then we get home and then we have to go. This is this is my sister and I talk about this a lot. We have to go and have a look at the burnt down church. Yes. And so we have all this a little bit of trauma yeah. from going into our second home yeah. and seeing the smell. Yeah. All I mean, we spent our whole life there. Yeah, so yeah. So you yeah. can imagine it burning down. Yeah. And I think I'm the one that's done it. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> You put a hex on the church. So, I, so then my friend's like, you said you wanted the church to burn down. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, didn't I didn't do, do it. it. I'm 15. Anyway, th- I think eventually my guilt must have come out and I've yeah. told mum and dad. And then apparently then someone else came up to me and said, don't worry, one of the elders had said the only way we could ever get new buildings is if the church burnt down. So you're not yeah. the only person that said it, okay?
2: <laughs> you're like, well, <laughs> it I didn't ended up being, say that.
3: <laughs> it was, no, it was, I wished it yep. to happen. So that has been a joke from my friends and me for 30 years. <laughs> like, be careful what Mandy says. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it got rebuilt, but that was a horrendous time because we were fished off to all the churches in yes. the area while it got rebuilt. So we'd have to go to the Catholics for Sunday school, the Anglicans for girls' club, yeah. the, whatever. The, whenever there was a spot. Whenever opened. there was a spot, yep. we were moved. So it was actually way more traumatic. <laughs> <It was laughs> and worse. I had to go more.
2: <laughs> yes, more trips.
3: <laughs> yes. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, how's about that as a fifteen year old? Feeling the guilt of burning down your church? We had this time where a taxi was parked out the front of
2: our church. I don't know why. And the minister said, This is I'm not lying. He said, And does anyone know where the devil is? And then the taxi spoke on his little thing which came <laughs> over the church into Comedy Set. I'm oh. out the front of Nunnawating's Seventh day Adventist <laughs> Church in Central Road in Nunnawadin. <laughs> And people like, <gasps> <laughs> and someone ran out there like, "It's a taxi!" <laughs> and then we laughed. <laughs> I think all the children shit themselves. <laughs> up. They're like,
3: "This is it. <laughs> He's here. <laughs> He's coming." <laughs> oh my goodness! Mm. Oh, oh, Gary, yeah. you're speechless.
1: No, <laughs> you're just triggering a lot of memories. I know.
3: Too. Did you? And some of them are really
1: good and some of them aren't so good but no. uh, you know the, the, uh, so sorry no I'm just listening and and remembering <laughs> he's honestly. a
3: processor he whereas, whereas <laughs> we're just an expresser there, there was
1: I mean in in terms of making jokes about sex and whatever I mean I, I think the difference for me in comedians is whether or not they're actually trying to be hurtful or whether yes. they're just yes. pointing out something that's patently absurd yes, and I it agree. is laughable whether it's yes. sex or anything else Totally, you know,
3: yes. totally yeah.
1: and um like so so this mate of mine who I was telling you about Ross he was at the football with the youth with the blokes from the youth group and they knew that halftime was coming and they had to quickly get to the toilets before the crowd so he Mm-mm. and he shot through went to the male toilets went into the cubicle and one of the guys followed him in as a joke yeah you know one of the youth group yeah, yeah. guys <laughs> followed him in and shut the door and then this huge crowd arrived oh, of people who leave. came into the toilets <laughs> <laughs> And they were stuck in there in this cubicle and they couldn't figure out whether they should come out or not, <laughs> you know, come out.
2: Come but, out in many ways.
1: Uh, I mean, the, the, um, I'll tell you this story this is way at, way later. I was doing RE, uh, you know, religion yep. classes at yep. school. I yep. really loved um, them.
3: I was good
2: yep. at it. Yeah, 100%. I yep. was so good. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I. It was interesting. So I was the school of 1,500 students and I had a grade 12 class and uh, they were a great class. Anyway, about 30 of them. And I remember this one morning, I, I walked into the school grounds, there's kids everywhere, young people everywhere, wandering around. I walked through the crowds and I got to the class and I did the did this the 50-minute class or whatever and it went okay, I thought, um, and then walked all the way back out through the crowds. And I got to my car and I could see my reflection in the window of the car. And it was then that I discovered that my fly no! was on. Oh, Gary! You know, I mean, it hadn't just come down. I hadn't oh. pulled it up at all. It was completely open. Oh. And I could even see my pale blue shirt through, oh. you know, behind my dark I
3: can feel the shine. Gary, the RE <laughs> teacher with his zip undone, that would have caused know. so much I thought, I can't ever
1: go, go back. back to this school again. Oh, you know? I know. <laughs> so, fortunately, the next week, there was some reason why I couldn't, so I didn't. But two weeks later, I went back, you know, to the class and I said, <laughs> I got to the front of the class and I said, listen, guys. About last time, you know, when I was here, I, I, re- I really need to apologize. And they said, yeah, your fly was undone. Oh! Why did
2: and one of those little I smart things tell you? I said, well,
1: why you? didn't somebody say something? You know, yeah. but, but there was no laughing. There was no, I right. don't know whether they laughed afterwards. But yeah, yeah so that, that story was well told many times in the future.
0: <laughs> <laughs> say hello to a new era of mental health care.
3: What were the funny things that you did like at youth group and stuff? Did you have like acronyms for groups or did you have what were the stuff you did as teenagers? Like for us, we had the progressive dinners. So oh, we would go always. to each other's houses. So we'd have to walk it. and get the, we'd have a progressive pizza. We'd get the base at our house and we'd go and put the cheese on oh, at so-and-so's really? house. Then we'd move to the ham at the next person's house. Then we'd get the yeah. pineapple. And then we'd go back to the church and cook the whole pizzas. Oh, no. Because everyone sort of lived in the area. Yeah. So we could all walk around to everyone's house. I love those nights. Oh, I love progressive dinner. Yeah. But we
2: do like... Chips and cheese was yep, at one house. Yep. Then the next house you'd have soup, and then the yeah. next house you'd have. And yep. the coolest people you'd finish at their house, yeah, so that you could hang. You know, they had. two <laughs> Did you ever have rooms. a regressive
1: dinner? No. Yes, we start with. Where well, you start with dessert? Oh, yeah. that
3: would have been much better.
2: <laughs> Definitely did. Uh, we dear. had us. Oh, our church used to do themed dinners. Yep. So like. The church would be done like a ship, and yes. everybody would dress up as they were going on a cruise. Yes, and, lots, yeah, of ups.
3: lots of dress up, lots of dress up, so
2: many. Exactly, and we couldn't. I think the fancy dance.
1: dress, the fancy dress store stores that have survived are connected with churches. They
3: Absolutely. must be. Absolutely, we loved a we loved fancy them dress. too. And Dad oh. would build all sorts of things. Oh, so many props! Yeah. Pyramid. I remember him going as a pyramid once. <laughs> built a whole wooden pyramid.
2: <laughs> oh, I know.
3: And so it's very social. You oh, know, it's so, it social. was very social. Very we, social. You know,
1: talking about you, you know, you were, you were saying, Kate, we, we dancing was out. You couldn't dance.
3: No.
1: Because uh, somehow or other that would lead to death and destruction. I don't know. But um, so we we wanted to have a barn dance, you know, mm, and so, so fun. we we had it quietly, but we had to advertise it as rural movement to music.
0: <laughs> <laughs> rural movement uh, to music. You-
1: Honestly, Mary. we did because oh, people the if they thought we were dancing.
2: I know. Oh God. We had um people used to do <laughs> sort of sign language to the choir. Yeah, oh, it's
3: liturgical dancing. And
2: someone oh, yeah. said we are not having that stationary oh, dancing at our church.
3: Stationary and dancing? I just stayed with me stationary dancing. <laughs> I loved dancing. a liturgical dance. Oh, oh. <laughs> Because I could never do it. And anything. the Alleluia was really big oh, with yeah. the wing arms yes. billowing. Oh my
2: gosh. I thought those oh. girls are cool. I didn't oh, get to yeah. be well, the
1: What is that joke about the religious people don't, they don't have sex standing up because it might lead to dancing?
2: (laughs) Yeah, we used to say it all the time. When we were kids, obviously dancing is supposed to lead to sex because it's, you know, sexual and moving. But yeah, when I first heard someone say sex might lead to dancing oh my gosh I cried and cried it was so funny and then other people don't get it I know the jokes like that oh
3: little and we would always say hands down for coffee if you talked about like Pentecostals always had their hands up so you couldn't ask them if they wanted a coffee because their hands were always up so we would say hands down who wants a coffee <laughs> what like silly little things. Every sort of group has their own in jokes, don't they? You know? Oh, they do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: I had really funny, good laughs at the church. And oh, I hapes. remember, though, we used to pride ourselves that we don't need to drink to be funny. We don't yeah. need to do this oh, to there was be funny. All of you that. Know, we really up gave ourselves a lot of. Because well, we know, had to. Well, we did have to. Yeah. But yeah, we did. We used to do car rallies. Yep. Which yep. now I think, gosh, dangerous. Yeah. Oh, A total all these car rally. year olds driving yeah. around trying to get to locations yep. quicker than everybody yep. else. Oh my gosh. Yep. But uh, I mean, I loved youth group. It was my whole life. Yeah. I met my ex husband there. Yep. You know, like it was all encompassing. So I
3: okay. would go to youth group and then go to the parties, yes. school parties. Yes. And so I'd arrive and all my friends were already drunk. And so I'd just have to go, oh, we've just done um, the $2 night where I'd walk down <laughs> to the shops and had to get spend get as many things as I could for $2. Oh. So we'd go to the, the, like the old-fashioned Bunnings and mm. buy 200 little bolts that were sent each. Like you had to <laughs> – <laughs> then I'd go, hi, guys, and they're all like, Mandy's here. <laughs> Talk about colliding oh, into worlds. The worlds. Well, I was at a mainstream school, always was, so yeah. I was always jostling between mm. I'm weird, I want to mm. be like you guys, mm. I love my church world, mm. but I know I'm weird mm. all, my whole life.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, I was at a Seventh-day Adventist school but there were a lot of kids there that were just Christians. Yeah. So um, I was so jealous of their freedom. I just yeah. couldn't believe that they could, you know, swim on Saturday or – Have friends sleep over on Friday nights or...
3: But I think my friends were jealous of my friends. I had a huge group of extra Mm, friends mm, mm. that I'd met on camps and I had... It it appeared, I think, that I had, you know, I was going on summer camps and I was... Mm. All that sort of stuff. And some of my friends would be like, oh, I just watched the tennis all summer and they didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was always had access to activities. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we did. We did summer camps and all of that sort of stuff, but... I think I I don't think my friends were jealous.
3: <laughs> no, I'm not saying jealous. Maybe they were just um, they couldn't understand mm. how social I was mm, mm. because their their um, school friends were their friends. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, that whereas was I was really... like, you're my school friends. I've got my church friends. I've got yeah. No, we were all the one gang.
2: Yeah. So, but I will say that I think my love of music is from church, oh totally I was in
3: the, choir and the band. Oh. And I. Gary, yeah. did you play an instrument or sing or anything?
1: No, I sang, but I um, only choir singing. Yeah, yeah, I didn't sing solo.
3: No, yeah,
2: but it's still choir singing is so oh. good for the soul. And yeah. I think
3: when I left, what did I go to? A choir.
1: Choir yeah. singing. Because yep. I was like,
3: I've got to find something else. And I think there's something to be said for when you've grown up in something that mm. you're searching for whatever dogma might might fit, mm, mm. you know. And so I was like, okay, I can join a choir. I know they've got structure. There's an international body. Mm. Um, all right, I have to go every Monday night. It's two and a half hours. Okay. And then the first night we went and they didn't pray at the end. And I was like,
2: what? I know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just left. I know. I was like, oh, but they had like a singing in ceremony and a singing out ceremony. Mm. And so there was all those things that I think mm. I had to replace it with. Mm. Or I was trying to find how can I replace all these rituals? Mm. The uh, loss of the rituals are really big for me.
2: It's really big. Yes. I, I think that's why people who are completely agnostic or atheist still sing Christmas carols. Yeah. Because the tradition and the ritual is so comforting. Mm. You know, you don't, yeah. and for two hours a week or whatever, you don't have to think.
3: And I would cry at that choir for years, and mm. people didn't realize. They just, just go, oh man, he's going to cry again. And I was like, no, because you don't understand what I lost. Yeah. And um, to come here and sing with you every week, yeah. none yeah. of you know. No, no. I couldn't you know really it. say why. Well, you can. Yeah.
2: And you, it's so tricky because even this is tricky because you can't express some things without hurting people you that's love. That's right. That's so right. Yeah. And that's where I think I struggle the most because is there freedom then? Like if Yeah, I don't think so. And I'm not talking about hateful speech. I'm just saying well, I don't mind that. I don't mind if you drink coffee, you mm-hmm. know? Like yeah, I think yeah, I struggle. I struggle with where is because when you're growing up in the church, you're always taught we have freedom, we have peace, and then I found all that when I left. Mm. I found complete freedom. For me, not knowing what, what's coming ahead is such peace
0: mm.
2: where I know other people really need the other mm. and won't understand what I'm saying, but the fact that there's no guarantees so therefore, you know, I'm. if there's a heaven or there's not a heaven, well, so be it, but I don't feel like I need to get there. Mm.
1: Mm.
2: So, yeah, it's it's just a huge mindset. Yeah,
1: we, we, we get defensive about what we believe, don't mm. we? And mm. even if somebody is not criticizing what we believe, but they don't believe it, mm. that is taken almost as a threat
0: mm. against what
1: I believe. Mm. You don't believe that? What are you talking about? Of course, mm. you know... Mm and it can seem as if it's an attack when really all you're doing is being honest mm. yeah, about your belief.
3: Mm. That's why um, I had to come up with the term I'm having a extended faith crisis. Yeah. Because I couldn't say I, I can't go anymore. No. Um so I, I I just came up with that line and I felt like it sort of explained something and mm. I'd have the two reactions, the recoil mm. or the me too. Yeah. And then I'd be yeah. like, "Oh, I'm finding some people." Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
2: So linking into that, what, what was your reckoning, Gary? Was it an overnight thing or was it a gradual thing? Like why did you stop? Oh, well,
1: as with most things, it was gradual, but there were some moments that punctuated it that, that mm. were quite memorable. It, it was a process, I think, of growing out of what I had accepted before and questioning all kinds of things. And it a lot of that did coalesce around christopher's birth and his Mm. first few years Mm. and i can't complain about the treatment we got in the church or anything it wasn't that we felt shunned Mm -mm. or anything but i did suddenly feel like i was no longer part of that tribe Mm. you know i was now ushered into a new and different tribe and Mm. didn't really know how to fit that in Mm. and there were questions that came up to me about um who this god is and you know all those standard questions mm. why did these things happen um Mm-mm. but that didn't lead me to leaving the church i that led me on a very interesting journey of figuring out uh, who this god is and um i it was a drift there were moments where i thought this this is just um all made up mm. <laughs> you know, I, yes people people have said to me a couple of times well meaning have said, now, well, but how do you explain, you know, where we came from, all the complexities and everything? Yes. I said, well, I can't explain it. Yeah. But I'll tell you, your explanation doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know,
2: but yeah. to them it and does.
1: So there was a lot of, I, I tend to live in my head a lot, so there was mm. a lot of that internal uh, head stuff going on for me. And uh, one day it just dawned on me, ah, okay, it makes sense to me that this is made up. I, mm. I can see how that could happen mm. and I can see how, you know, it's difficult for people to get out of it once they're in it. And mm. yeah, that's fine. I, um, I just don't believe it anymore. One of the, one of the key moments for me, I think was I, I heard an interview with, you know, Bart Campolo, yeah. Tony yeah. Campolo's yeah, yeah. son. Yes. Yep. For those Bart, who you Bart, don't, don't know, him,
3: Tony Campolo. He's is, got an awesome podcast. He's a yep. big Christian.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. it was when he first sort of, it first dawned on him that he couldn't believe this yeah. stuff anymore. Mm. And he didn't. He says I, I, he's very clear. He says it's not that I chose not to believe. I just couldn't. Yes. You know. And he said I had to go and tell my dear mum and dad um, that I just. One i of the just biggest evangelist
3: in the world. In the world, yeah. every yeah, religion yeah. knows who he is.
1: Conservative, but yep. you know who who doesn't love Tony Campolo for all the fantastic yes, that's know, work right. And whatever. And Bart now, I believe, if he still is, is the humanist. Yeah. Chaplain. Yep. Yeah. At yep. UCLA. And he's doing exactly the same things he was doing before, helping people to find each other, helping people come out of addiction, helping people Mm, who have come out and whose families have rejected them. He said, I'm doing exactly the same things I was doing before, but there's no no, um, uh, magic element involved. It's just us, and we are all we have, so let's be good to each other and all that kind of thing. But when I heard that, and then I heard how he and his dad had processed that. Yes, stunning. You know, made videos, wrote a book. Mm. father and son coming to terms with this mm. and it was funny because do you remember he said um, when he first told them that their first concern was well what are you going to do for a job
3: yeah. <laughs> well that's right and you must have, have been the same yes
1: and it did it it affected his career but so for me he was able to put in words exactly what was true for me I just could no longer believe this anymore mm. not because I didn't want to I just I'd love to believe in a loving father who's out there somewhere, and who's I'm going to meet one day. Mm. That's nice. Mm. I maybe there is. Mm. <laughs> I'm not saying there isn't. I'm just saying I can understand why people would mm. believe there was, mm. and it doesn't mean there is. And so for me, yeah, it, it was quite an internal process of thinking for me. Mm.
3: Mm. Mm. I remember I just couldn't sing, mm. so I'd stand in church and my throat would close, mm. and I just and that's how I expressed my faith was through mm, singing. Mm. So to not be, so I'd stand there thinking. But what was
1: happening? Mandy, why, why couldn't you sing? I
3: couldn't say the words. Yeah, but why? Because, because I was so sad about what had happened with the girls. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And it, I, do you think that growing up in a church, you felt like, well, I, I, I believed this fully and God protected me and all this. And all of a sudden he didn't.
3: Yes, at the very basic sort of childlike faith. And that's what we had. Yeah, I was like, how could this happen to them? Mm, mm. Um, But then I would say, well, people suffer all around the world, Mandy. Like, you know, so, yeah, but I I suppose just I looked around and saw everyone that hadn't gone through what I had. Yes. Um, Even though, who do I think I am? Everybody's gone through hard things, but in that Age of my life, and that fatigue with having two little babies. Um, it, I just couldn't. I think I've wrangled everyone to get here on time. Mm, oh yeah, and time. I'm standing here, and I can't participate how I yeah. used to. And
2: all of it doesn't make
3: sense. And it doesn't. And I, I don't know what to do with my body. Yeah. Because I just want to cry, mm. and I have to get out of here.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you have to listen. Yeah.
1: And who could you talk to about that at the time? Um,
2: no one. No, you can't. You can't. You're on your own. Because the people that you normally talk to is the church minister or the elder yeah. or, you know, and basically you're telling them, I don't think I believe this.
3: Yeah.
2: And they, you can't. You, you can't. You think you could, but you really can't. Yeah. yeah. Who did you talk to, Gary? <laughs> No one. Yeah. See, you can't.
1: I I think Tamara and I talked about it a bit, Mm -hmm. uh, tried to process that, but we weren't really in a good place where that helped either. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
2: And I actually think churches, if I could go back to a church today and stand up in front of them, I would say you need to have a way for people to kindly leave. Yes. That's what you need. The same effort that you bring people in with, yeah. you should extend an And honouring. Yeah, and honour that they did this and they loved it and they're welcome back to reunions and, yes. you know, because there is no way out except, for for me, mm. I had to slam the door and that's painful. Yeah. Like super painful to realise that those people, well, don't want you, they want you there,
3: but only if you believe what they believe. Mm. And I think there's much to be said for... Um, well, I can only speak for a woman, first time mothering with twins, mm. to get there, oh, to think so about trying to breastfeed, oh. to think oh. about changing nappies, mm. to think about the exhaustion mm. of getting there to then listen to some turkey burger talking about <laughs> things that you just don't even yep. care about anymore. Yep. Yep. And I just remember thinking, I can't even hear you. Yeah. I. I uh, what is the point in me coming here? I'm so
2: tired. So tired. You could be snapping and your husband's home and he could actually have taken the girls for a walk.
3: I, I, I think there's a lot to be said for the women that are busting their asses.
2: Oh, women. The yeah, and our church. mothers did that. Well, my oh, mum did that, definitely. definitely.
3: Yeah, and then did it and then possibly didn't work. Mm. And so now our generation and down are saying, mm. hell no, I'm going to work. I'm not yeah. volunteering my whole life. Mm. Um. Yeah, there, there has to be repercussions of that. They still volunteer though. Yeah, they do on top of it. They really yeah. do. Yeah, a lot of my friends do and I admire them but I think I just was, I was so the most tired I've ever been in my whole life. Oh, I couldn't do it. definitely, definitely. Yeah. So yeah.
2: you're not making good decisions anyway. No, <laughs> you know that's that right, it. that's right. I was trying to
3: work <laughs> that out and then that guilt of I'm not bringing them up in the church oh. and um, my parents are so upset. And Oh, yeah, you're yeah. breaking
2: Absolutely breaking people's hearts. I I say to people, imagine your child coming to you and saying, I've decided to become homeless and an ice addict and I'm I'm going to abuse people on the street. That is what it's like to say to your parents who love a church, I'm not doing it anymore. Like it's really tricky for them. And (laughs) as a person, especially people who don't like to hurt people, it's brutal. And so you have to understand how... Much, we really believe we're doing the right thing to not go. You know, there must be people sitting there who don't necessarily believe it, but I, mm. I couldn't do it. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. and so for me, and I've told this story in the book. When I was pregnant with the twins, I was f- so active at church before I was pregnant with them. I was like children's ministries leader, worship leader, everything. We lived at that church. I had three kids. By that point and when I got pregnant with the twins they sort of said look try and rest as much as you can because they're so little and we'll have protein shakes so I just would stay home it was the only day my husband didn't work was Saturday so I would stay home and try and rest on that day and not take kids to school and kinder and you know and I had so I wasn't regularly going to church but everyone at church was praying and they were happy you know yeah rest um and occasionally, it was like legitimate. You legitimate, don't have to go. yeah. <laughs> Every woman's yeah. dream. Everyone's. And occasionally um, my ex would take the children, so then I'd have the house to myself to lie in bed. It was beautiful. <laughs> anyway, I had all of my scans nearly at this um, private obstetrician's place. It was in a very leafy suburb of Melbourne called Camberwell. And I just remember going there and thinking this house where he does the scans is so stunning and this is just being used for this. Like how much money there is in this that... This $3 million house is just being used as a doctor's office. But occasionally he couldn't see me because I had three scans a week and I would go to fetal monitoring at Monash, massive big hospital in Melbourne where Mandy's twins and my twins were born. And the high-risk pregnancies, you went to a different area for fetal monitoring and you'd sit in this room and it was daggy and it was quiet because no women talked to the other women because they weren't like, well, why are you here? Because everyone was there because their babies Mm. were at risk of dying. And... The scanning machine was old and clunky and he would, he because he was the head of that, he would see me there. And I remember going there, sitting in the room, looking at all these women, feeling the fear for them and for myself, having the scan, feeling annoyed that the scanning machine was so shit for all those women and I was in no way wealthy but I had private health insurance and I'd reached the cap, you know, the yeah. and I, we could have these scans. And I came home and I hopped in the shower and I was crying and I was praying and I was saying, just save my babies, save my babies. And I just saw that room with all those women and I thought, is God not going to save their babies because they're not asking? Because there's all these things in the Bible, ask and it will be given to you. If you've got the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And the whole thing crashed in and I thought, I can't have a God that does that. He should save all those babies. Those women don't even know to pray to him. How can he do this? Doesn't he love us all? Aren't we all his children? And I literally stopped believing then. Hmm. And I, it it was like a wall hit me and I cried and cried. My heart was racing and I thought, I can't go back to church. And it took me a while to tell my ex-husband, I reckon months, but Hmm. I just couldn't go back. And I never, I, I only went back once when dad was preaching. And I've never been back. It doesn't make sense to me how people, I I respect it and my mum loves it and she'll talk to me about it every week. But I can't, if that's what God is and he chooses who he helps, I can't have, he can't be in my life.
1: So for you, um, the God that you suddenly couldn't believe in anymore Mm. um, was replaced by another kind of God or no God?
2: No God. So I probably am agnostic now. Like I'm not 100% sure what's there. I don't know that there me isn't too. something, you know, sometimes. Yeah. But all the things that I felt at church, like um, small group, women's group, prayer group, I'd start having like dinners with the twin mums and go, hang on, I feel just as connected and uplifted. It's actually chatting with women that's giving me these feelings. Or I'd volunteer for the Multiple Birth Association Oh, that makes me feel like helping at church. It isn't actually, for me, it wasn't the magic of God. Um, I think for a long time I felt a massive void. Saturdays were the weirdest, yes. weirdest day. Yes, I just couldn't process. And I remember the first time I went to the shops Yeah, and l- literally thinking something bad's going to happen to yeah. me here because some Adventists don't do anything. They have like a Jewish Sabbath. And then I remember thinking, I'm not going to see anyone I know. <laughs> because every time when you're in a church, you go somewhere. You Off to people. Tiffany's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can do what I want. I can go to Dan Murphy's. Yeah, you know. So I think also because I was so frantic about the pregnancy, and then I had. Tiny babies with all these issues, yeah. and three other kids. I didn't have time. No, I
3: didn't have time either, really. But I Although was I, sad. I was sad on a Sunday, and sad. we'd go to the shops, and I'd think, I know all my friends are there, yeah, with all their kids, and they're all having a nice time together. Yeah. Yep. And we're just this empty shell of a family. That's how I felt. I don't feel like that now, but no. that, at the time, I thought we're just we're just this. We're, there's nothing special about us. And I. Felt, Did you feel like you're special oh, when you you're do? There? You are special yeah. when you're at church. Yeah. And
2: our family was special.
3: I remember having a moment Mm. in my old house when I heard this very loud voice in my head say, just be like Jesus in the world. You don't have to go to church. No. And so I was like, okay, I'm listening to that. So mm. then I committed to that I thought that I can do that. Yeah. I can be that kind, person in my mother's group. I can be yeah. that person at the kinder with yeah. the twin mums. I can find community. I'm a person that loves yeah. community. Yeah. I can build. I'm just going to have to build it differently. Yeah. And I've tried and we've tried. Yeah, we have. We have. So
1: for you, Mandy, it's not a crisis of belief.
3: Um, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I think that I identify with the humanism. So if I was going to say anything, then I think. Mm. I, w- I just about wrote in the book, I'm a humanist, but I didn't want to declare my hand. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that podcast, Humanize mm. Me, and mm. I think, yes, I, mm. I love humans. Mm.
1: Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm.
3: But I couldn't read the Bible anymore. Mm. I couldn't pray anymore. I haven't prayed no. for 17 years. Okay. So, yeah, yeah what whatever that means then. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'd feel like a... <gasps> If someone said, I'm going to pray for you, I'd be like, oh. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I I, I, I don't know what to say to you. I'd just say, oh, thank you.
2: Well, sometimes I. Or on
3: my lowest day, I'd go, why bother? Well, and I think,
2: I really appreciate it's a lovely thing to say. Now I say, I'm going to light a candle for you, which is what my Irish cousins do. It's really nice. And then they see the candle and they think of me when I'm having a tough day. But for me, it's, I mean, triggering is too big a word. I'm not sure what the word is, but I feel like it's a cop out. It's like thinking of you. Oh, yeah, it's, it's just nothing. I'm it like, doesn't well, mean anything. No. you got
3: to be in this You've life got with me. you to be doing with yeah. me,
2: sitting with me. Come and sit with me and cry. Don't pray. Mm. Um, and I I feel like it's an easy way of, of getting out of doing or mm. being present with someone, just saying, I'll pray for you. So I don't really like it. I, I think it's lovely that people do it, but it's not something that I find comforting when someone says to me, I'll pray and, for you.
3: And I didn't know there was the word deconstruction. Mm-mm. I didn't know that Mm-mm. then. Mm-mm. And it's sort of really big now, Mm, isn't mm, it? mm, mm. The idea of Mm. deconstructing and then reconstructing. Mm. Um, I wish I had have had that language.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The flip side of not necessarily being comfortable offering to pray for someone is being asked to pray for someone. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. And that's where it
1: gets awkward because then how how much do you explain (laughs) at that moment?
3: I'm in an extended faith crisis. (laughs) (laughs) It always works.
1: do you just go ahead and do it and pretend because it's not worth it I did I that know. once
3: you yeah. you?
2: I was
1: with Christopher doing a, a, a I was presenting at a, an event in an aged folks' home and right at the end of it the lady who was in, and I said thank you very much it's been great to be here you know let's talk over the cup of tea she said now would you pray for us mm. and <clears throat> I did and Christopher's up the back like Christopher had no experience of me as a minister or, yes, or a church really that is at all.
3: So Weird, yes, yeah, and
1: and uh, mm. so I did. I prayed what I would have said previously, and mm. it so, would have sounded the same. Mm. I thought, uh, look, it's not worth trying to. Uh, well, I'm stuck. i have cornered. Were, mm, mm, I can't yeah. say I'm not going to pray for you all. No, <laughs> I, know. no I don't. <laughs> and your there audience? There is no God. What's the point mm. of praying? You know, yeah, I, so, yeah, yeah, so, it wasn't no. so fair I to your
3: audience. No.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then when I opened my eyes at the end of the prayer, there's Christopher up the back laughing his head <laughs> <laughs> off. What,
3: what the hell are you doing, <laughs> Dad? <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, my, I took the girls back to a church uh, when they were sort of mid-primary school and we were just the heathens. You yeah. should have heard them. What's that bath? Why are people drinking that drink? Yeah. I don't care about Jesus. Yeah. I want to go home. Yeah. This is boring. Yeah. These seats are uncomfortable. <laughs> Who are these people? Like, I was just like. Oh, my gosh, yep. we are these people. How yes. could my children not know anything about this? No. It was so mm. weird and funny. And yeah. then I just escaped out of there because yep. I was like, I cannot do for your talk. No, I, no, no. I can't. I, I'm, I'm not your people. No. I, I, I'm trying. I, I'm trying to find a place again. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, yep. But I, I, I'm not what you can't trust me. No, I think I said me. to them, "You can't trust me because I'm someone that will just leave next week." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. So don't think I'm back, and I'm going to be on your worship team.
2: So did you lose friends, Gary?
1: Yes, mm. um, not not in an overt way, but mm. people backed off. People mm. won't, mm. you know, won't connect with me anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I suspect they just don't know what to say yeah. or what's going on, and they don't want to get into it. I mm. think they probably join the dots. They put two and two together and get six, and they decide, mm. oh, Gary's turned his back on God. Yep. Um, and I know that he, you know, if I got into an argument with him, he'd probably win, so I'm not yeah. going to get into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm, But see, there I am joining the dots about them because yep. we haven't had those conversations. No. Yeah, that's And right. sometimes it's qu- quite by a complete delightful surprise that I will discover that somebody's been on the same journey and they Mm. weren't keen on telling me, you know, until it came out and then, oh yeah, I'm the same, you know, so that does happen.
0: Yeah, that's lovely. I I lose friends.
1: Um, Yeah, I haven't lost my best friend and I haven't lost those who were important to me at the time, so no I can't say I have really. Mm. A lot of those people I probably didn't, they weren't friends anyway, they were just part of that mix.
2: Yeah, it's like being at a a job or a school you hang out with A footy with club or, yeah. 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 But we yeah. D- we lost, we hemorrhaged friends. I'd say we lost 90% of our friends, 80% of our wow. friends. Wow. Yeah. Like people that were in our wedding and, you know, we'd been away with every year on holidays and basically they weren't mean. Like none of them were mean. And if I saw them in the street, they'd give me a hug and say, hi, how are you going? Lovely to see you. But... The thing that people said to me all the time, and if you're a Christian listening to this, do not say this, we miss you at church. And I just wanted them to say, we miss you. But they didn't miss me. They just missed. And then I was like, you just missed the fact that I'm a worship leader and that we tithed here and we gave offerings and we did all the volunteer work. Do you miss me? Um, And that's me being probably a little bit bitter. But I think if you miss someone, you miss them, you know, and I don't. I mean, they obviously don't miss me. They're not ringing me every week, yeah. and that was a long time ago now. And I've rebuilt friends, but it's and thank God I have Rachel, um, and I have you know a couple of friends from school that I'm still friends with. But someone said to me recently something about um, they were being hurtful, but they said something about oh you you don't have you've something about you don't have old friends, and I said well no because they all left. They won't they won't be involved with me now. So, you know, when you, you think about rebuilding your life at 33, which I know people do when they move overseas or, you know, all
3: sorts of things.
2: And, you know, we've all had it with children with disability where you're like, oh, this is a new life. But this was actually something I chose. Like I chose this. This is what I wanted for myself. So I think maybe that threatens them as well. Mm. But it's, it was very, very lonely. Very lonely. But freedom at the
3: same time. I just remember thinking, oh, I don't have to go to meetings. I know meetings. <laughs> <laughs> no meeting. Oh, I can just watch TV every single Oh, there's single a lot night. I don't miss, that's
1: oh. for sure.
2: Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh,
2: and so, I can watch whatever I want. Yeah. I can
3: go yeah, to well, movies. Yeah, well, you can, yeah. I can dance. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. I found this thing that I wanted to read yeah, and don't. it's by Michael Frost. I didn't know Gary knows Michael mm. Frost.
1: Oh, Frosty, yeah.
3: Good old Frosty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And it said, to those who have lost their faith and regained it. Harold Kushner once wrote about the difference between once-born souls, those who retain their childlike simple faith, and twice-born souls, those who lose their early belief and regain a richer, deeper faith. The once-born people who sail through life without experiencing anything that shatters or complicates their faith, they may have financial reverses, problems with their children and so forth, but they always feel that a kindly God is controlling things. Mm -hmm. Twice-born souls, on the other hand, are people who lose their faith And then regain it. But their new faith is very different from the one they lost. Instead of seeing a world flooded with sunshine as the once-borns always do, they see a world where the sun struggles to come out after a storm, but always manages to reappear. Theirs is a less cheerful, less confident, more realistic outlook. God is no longer the parent who keeps them safe and dry. He is the power that enables them to keep going in a stormy and dangerous world. And like the bone that breaks and heals stronger at the broken place, like the string that is stronger where it broke and was knotted, it is a stronger faith than it was before because it has learned it can survive the loss of faith. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, I haven't.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard that. That's true. The twice-born soul. Mm. Absolutely. I became a twice-born soul, but then I moved away from faith altogether. Yes,
3: mm. that's right. Mm. Yeah.
1: You know, he's talking about people who are still people of mm. faith, mm. but they've uh, matured.
3: Yeah, yeah. and been able to stay. The thing that I. And it it does make, you know,
1: your story about the shower, Mm. Kate, I've just been sitting here pondering that there's so much there and I did read it in the book and I have thought about it a lot. It just strikes me how different things would be if the people who did the theology and come up with the doctrines and come up with the rules and wrote the Bible were actually not only just women, but mums. Yes,
3: it would
2: be so <laughs> um, different. Not
1: blokes, you know, because yeah. <laughs> well, that's where
3: just a... you just come to actually and yeah, think. Yeah. I can't actually relate There's to no a word you're saying. Voice in this. I'd be going yeah. to church, t- sitting there listening to a man in his forties, mm. and I would think I don't understand a word yeah. you're talking about. Get me up there, and, and I'll you have don't people understand a word of my. What, life. You don't understand a thing yeah. that's going on for me. No.
2: Yep. No, and I, I think. Actually, the beginning of me leaving my faith, probably before I even knew it, was reading, um, is it Philip Yancey who wrote What's So Amazing About Grace? Mm -hmm. Is that him? Yep. And he has this quote in the book that says, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And I had to read it and reread it because my whole life I knew all the things that I had to do to make God love me less. And I remember showing it to someone at church and they said you shouldn't read books that aren't printed by the church.
3: Oh boy. And
2: I was like it's too late. The seed has been yeah. planted and I I can't escape this anymore. But even now I think if there's a God and he looks down maybe there is nothing I can do to make him love me less. My children I love my children. I can have a fight with them I can disagree fundamentally with politics. I love them and I'd die for them that minute. So if there's a God, surely that's what they are like.
1: That's what she's like. That's what yeah, she's like. I, know. <laughs> oh. I think so. I don't think
2: the it can mother. just be Yeah,
1: but she's um... a mother of children with disabilities. I think no. so. She really
2: well, she is. She is. Yep. She really, really is. All right, peas and beans and everybody else listening. I know it's been a little bit heavy. But we're going to leave it here today and then next week there's going to be part two. Yes. I promise there will be light at the end of the tunnel. We just didn't want to give you three hours of our... (laughs) Which
3: we could do. (laughs) We could do this for
2: hours. Our deconstruction journeys. Um, We hope that you have enjoyed so far listening to us. Yeah, we're going to do our
3: Laugh, Cry, Make a Difference at the end of next week's episode. So you're not going to have that today. No. Um, But, yep, we'll be back, okay? We will. And we know it's different. Yep. But it actually... I think it explains a lot about who the three of
2: us are. Yeah. So we will see you next Thursday.
0: Bye. Bye.